Take your Bible, stand with me as we go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 9. We spent most of our time in verses 1 and 2 last week. So here we go in verses 3 through 9, which we're going to visit the next few weeks, and we're going to take different approaches with it each week, okay? So the Bible says here in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy... Coach Pritchett, I like to think of you when I talk of the word of, of mercy and grace. Notice in verse 2, it talks about grace and peace. And now in verse 3, it's mercy. What is grace? God giving us what we don't deserve. What is mercy? God not giving us what we do deserve, right? We deserve death, hell, and separation from God. But because He's a merciful God, He gives us, He doesn't give us what we do deserve. And that's where His mercy comes in. So in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice all these deep truths here. Look with me here. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That right there is one whole point. We're not even going to deal with that inheritance that can never uh, perish, spoil, or fade today. But we're going to get to it in the weeks to come. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, meaning gold perishes, even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now with your physical eyes, you don't see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. (laughs) Now, when you just read all of this in one glob like we just read, I don't know about you, but my mind's like like in a a, um, pinball game. Ding, 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 ding. Going everywhere because there are so many different ways we can process what we're reading. What I want to try to do to you is pull out some nuggets of truth the next few weeks. And hopefully, when we're done with that, we will have covered the key theological points that are here for us to learn about Jesus, our living hope. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we are not like others who have no hope. But we have hope because we belong to you because we've been born again, because we're saved. And in that salvation, we know that there is hope far beyond this world. But we have hope living in this world. His name is Jesus. He's our living hope. So help us to break down this passage. Help me, Father, to make sense of this to our people. More than anything, your Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us into all truth as we study Help us to see the importance of what it means to live a life full of grace 
full of peace because of our living hope, Jesus Christ. And I pray it in his name. Amen. And you may be seated. So right off the bat, I want to define biblical hope. What is hope, okay? So notice the definition I've given you. I only have a limited amount of space to put on one uh, slide here, so I tried to limit what I wanted to say here. So the world looks at hope this way. Hope is not, I hope so. In other words, the world looks at hope in this way. Well, I hope that I catch the redfish with the tag in it this year in the CCA tournament that goes on for four months and I win a new boat, Blaze. I hope that that happens to me. But in reality, what are the chances of that happening? Not very good, right? Because you first have to catch redfish. Now, I can catch some, but not many. And secondly, you got to catch the one with the tag in it. And you got to catch the one that has this year's tag in it. And you got to hope that somebody else didn't win it before you to get the boat. Now you're stuck with the truck. I don't want the truck, I want the boat. See, that's the world's hope. I hope so. Something that probably won't happen, but I hope it does. It would be nice if it does happen, but it probably won't. But that's not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is not a, I hope so. Here's what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is the confident assurance, the confident assurance of future glory and blessing. Something that's going to happen in the future, but it's going to happen because God declares it. It gives us encouragement and strength that we need for daily living. So this hope is the confident assurance of truth, of something that's going to happen that God said will happen to us. And because of that, I have encouragement and strength to live out my Christian life today. You see, you see the, the concept here? So hope, biblical hope, is an assurance. And it's, it's a confident assurance. A future glory of what's going to happen to us ultimately. And a blessing that God gives us. It is blessed to what, the Bible says? Give, then what? Receive, right? You don't necessarily get the reward here on this earth for giving sometimes. But the Bible says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? So that's a hope that we have, that the good we do and, and the, the giving that we do, the giving, the service that we give to God will have a payoff at the end, not so much for us, but so that we can glorify God with the payoff. That's called the crowns that we can give to him it's it's my life's work that i'll that i'll be able to offer to him for what i've what what he's done for me and so hope is not i hope so hope is a confident assurance of future glory and blessing it gives us encouragement and strength that we need for daily living okay so with that said our living hope who is our living hope? Jesus. So here's what I want you to see. Number one, we have a living hope because we trust a living Christ. I have assurance and hope of future glory and future blessings. Not because 
I'm doing some religious things, and as the world hopes to have a reward for that, that maybe I might get it. No, that's not the way it, it happens. I have a hope, I have a living hope, because I have trusted a living Christ. Look at what verse 3 says about that. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Je- our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. Why? Because He rose from the dead. Because of the resurrection. So I have a, a living hope. As believers, we have a living hope because we trust a living Christ. This hope enables us to keep our minds under control and hope to the end in 1 Peter 1.13, when Jesus shall return, we must not be ashamed of our hope, but to be ready to explain and defend it in 1 Peter 3.15. The Bible says that we should always be ready to give a defense of the hope that is within us, the confident assurance of future blessing and who we have and Jesus being our living hope. So we have a living hope because we trust a living Christ. Listen, what we have is not a religion. I know it's the way the world classifies it. I I know. I know the world classifies it as such. I I heard the president talk about it in the State of the Union address, and I agree with the sentiment of what he said, that that no one should should lose their freedom of speech because of their religion. I, I know that's how the world talks about it. But listen to this. Everybody, my, my life is not based on a religion. Religion is man's attempt to please and satisfy God. What I have, what you have when you get saved, is not a religious system where you have to light some candles and you have to say so many prayers. It's not like when I was a little boy and I went and confessed to a priest in a closet somewhere and he said, you need to go say five Our Fathers because you were bad to your mama and daddy. And you need to go say, you know, six Hail Marys because of this. And you need to say the act of contrition because of that and because of what you did because you've not been good and you need to do penance. Not repentance. You need to go do penance. See, that's religion. And all it did was get me to say a bunch of words and fulfill a religious system. It did nothing for what was inside of me. It didn't give me hope. It made me frustrated. It helped me to see that I was a sinner and I was lost and that I had nothing that I could do to help myself. It didn't fix me. It didn't change me. It was a religious system made by man. But when I encountered Jesus, Jesus Christ, something happened within me, and now it's living. It's living inside of me. And that's why we feel and have emotion, and that's why living for Christ is not just some intellectual thing. It's the heart, it's the soul, it's the mind, it's the body, it's the spirit, it's the whole person. What we have is living. Churches are dying all across America. And my question is this. Do the people who attend that church have something living in them? Because if they have have Christ, the one living in them, they're not dying. 
spiritually. They're living. They're alive. They have Christ full of glory living within them. But unfortunately, too many people, or religious people, they're not living people with the living Christ within them. So we have hope because what we have is not some dead, cold, religious exercise. But I got the warm fire of the Holy Spirit, as Jeremiah said. It is, it is, it is a fire shut up in my bones. Just like the apostles and the disciples, the ones who were timid, the fishermen and all of that, who after the day of Pentecost, went out preaching the Word of God and the authorities, the religious leaders, pulled them in and beat them and said, you got to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And they said, sirs, you judge for yourself what you must do and what you have to do. But as for us, we can't help but speak the things we've seen, we've heard, and we've experienced. When a living Christ encounters you, it changes you. The living hope. You know, y'all probably saw the post on Facebook, and I spent my whole Sunday school lesson around that incident, around Scripture, life is but a vapor. But I'll tell you, there's nothing like almost getting killed that makes you feel alive. Because you have some feelings that happen. You ever were in a situation where you almost got killed and you started shaking? Now that, that, that didn't happen to me the other day, the shaking part. It happened to me another time about a year and a half ago when I witnessed a T-bone wreck right there. And, and I should have been in it, but I wasn't. And you know I was just at the light and one piece of glass from the car fell on the, on the hood of my truck. God reminded me. He was watching over me. Thank God nobody was killed in that. I don't know how, but only by the grace of God. And, and, and I remember that. And when, when it was over and everybody, we got them out of the cars and everything was fine and we realized everybody's going to live, my leg was shaking. I couldn't, get, I couldn't lift my leg to get in the truck. It just, the brevity of life and what almost happened right there just got a hold of me. And, 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 and you, you know why? Because you realize that you just witnessed something where people's lives almost came to an end. It gets you. Well, that's kind of what happened to me this week when I, I titled it, I should have died. Marcy Brown corrected me and said, you could have died. And I see where she's, she's at. She might be right. But the, way, the reason I say I should have died was because, because in, 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 in a real world, in a logical world, there's no way that that accident should not have happened. It's only by a miracle and grace of God. And you know what? I'll tell you this. I was listening to a sermon by Dr. Jeremy Morton, the pastor of First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia. And he was quoting the scripture. I was listening to that. I'm going down the road. I'm on cruise control. Beautiful day. Not, nobody behind me. Nobody in front of me. Everything's just fine. And he's preaching that neither life nor death nor any other created thing nor principalities nor powers can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he goes and he says this, and God will provide for you and God will protect you. And at the crescendo of him saying God will protect you is when that accident should have happened. 
I realized I was alive that day. And the guy in the box truck that saw it all, because the car that almost caused it all took off. I wasn't mad. I was just like, at least you're alive. The guy in the box truck comes in behind me as we park. I'm just trying to get a hold of myself and trying to figure out, did I hit somebody? Surely I hit, surely something happened. Uh, he, he, he can't speak. He, uh, sort of like, sort of like the angels at, at the tomb. They were like, you know, they were dumb, like, like men who couldn't speak. He was, you, you all right? Yeah. Well, what happened? Finally, he got the words. He goes, it's a miracle what I just saw. God had his hand on you. I realized I was living. I felt it. And all the things that made my blood pressure go up prior to that couldn't touch me on Tuesday the rest of the day. I realized I was alive. And I was more than just physically alive. I was alive in Christ. So our living hope. We have a living hope, and our living hope is because we have a living Christ. Number two, our living hope gives us great encouragement through suffering. Our living hope, Jesus Christ, gives us great encouragement through suffering. Now, verses 6 through 9, I'm going to read it all, but I'll read some of it. Look at what it says here. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor, when Jesus Christ is revealed. One of the encouragements that Peter gives suffering saints here in 1 Peter is the assurance that their suffering will one day be transformed into glory. One day it will be transformed. It's hard for us to understand suffering and what we're going through, particularly when we're suffering for doing right things. But this is also suffering physically and some things that some of these Christians were going through. This is possible only because the Savior suffered for us and then entered into His glory, 1 Peter 1.11 tells us. So our living hope gives us great encouragement through suffering. Look at what 1 Peter 5.12 says, and then we're going to look at 2 Corinthians real quick. 1 Peter 5.12 says, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you, and testifying that this is the true grace of God. The true grace of God to encourage you. Stand fast in it. I'm encouraging you in the grace of God to stand fast. I'm sorry, I got way ahead of myself, guys. Guys in the back, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading a verse that, that's for point three. So, but our blessed hope our living hope gives us great encouragement through suffering. Let's always keep this in mind. That the suffering that we're going through 
now pales in comparison with the glory that will be revealed that we'll have for all of eternity. You're going to suffer. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world full of sin. We live in a world full of movement. We live in a world, you know, we get, we get in little, little cylinder tubes that have what we call wings on them. And we go up in the air. And we have to have man-made power to keep it in the air. And if one thing goes wrong, gravity takes over. Right? We just live in that kind of world. You get in the truck and you go down the road. Got other people trying to do the same thing. Things happen. Suffering happens in this world. Where do we get this idea that as Christians, when we get saved, that nothing but good stuff is going to happen to us? Where did that come from? That's not biblical. When we get saved and we give our hearts to Christ, lots of times bad things are going to happen to you because now you're the enemy of Satan. And not only that, but God will allow some things to happen because you need to be refined. I need to be refined. And the only way we're going to get it is to go through suffering. Heat has to be applied to us. God gives us, but he gives us great encouragement through suffering. Number three, God grants us grace from heaven in our suffering so that we can turn trials into triumph. So God gives us grace from heaven in our suffering so that we can turn trials into triumphs. So I read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. Let's look at it again one more time just so uh, you, can, you can see the context here. He goes, Silas, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. You see, suffering by itself doesn't automatically bring glory to God and blessing to God's people. Some believers have fainted and fallen, meaning they've, they've given up during times of trial and have brought shame to the name of Christ. Some Christians don't, don't live up to it. They don't obey God during the suffering and the trials. And I haven't always obeyed God. It is only when we depend on the grace of God that we can glorify God in times of suffering. The grace of God. God giving us what we don't deserve. The word grace is used in every chapter of 1 Peter. Grace is God's generous favor to undeserving sinners and needy saints. And when we depend on God's grace, we can endure suffering and turn trials into triumph. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. This is about the story of the Apostle Paul who went through a difficult time. We pick it up in the middle of a verse, and it says, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, so he is conceding that God had to do something to keep him from becoming arrogant and conceited and full of himself. He goes, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, some people believe that this was a physical ailment that Paul had, might have been. Some people believe that it was, it was a, uh, 
uh, it was something that came into his life, and then for him, it, 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 it created a temptation for him, though God doesn't tempt us, which I don't, so I don't believe that was the case. I lean more on the side, it wasn't so much a physical ailment, though he probably had some physical ailments, but I think in specifically here, he was talking about, he would go into a, a community, start, a, start a, a group of believers, start a new church, <coughs> he would teach the truth, then the Judaizers would come in behind them and say, no, 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 what Paul's saying is, is not right. It's not just the grace of God, you have to do certain things in order to please God. You've got to be circumcised and believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus is not just enough. And so they were a messenger of Satan, Paul says. I can't prove it, but that's kind of what I think was going on here. So he had this, this battle going on, and three times, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. He was, he was suffering with that spiritually, maybe even physically. It brought, created some physical problems for him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then he says this, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships. That's what he says. He goes, I delight. How many of you, when you see insults and hardships and persecutions coming, you're like, oh boy, I get to get hammered today. Anybody? Anybody there? I'm not there yet. I'm not where Paul's at there yet. Uh, I'm not the kind that, you know, you, you think about it. What, what's something you really want to do? I heard some boys in our church yesterday went to Bush Gardens for the first time. And I don't know if they were excited like I would be, but, but I, I love roller coasters. And, and so I, I'm sure maybe they were, keep that scripture up, guys. Go back to that scripture. I'm sure that, that they, were, they were fired up. Maybe they couldn't sleep the night before, man. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And they, could, they, they were so excited, you know. But have you ever gone to sleep right before you went to sleep knowing that, the days coming, we're going to provide persecutions, insults, hardships, difficulties, and you were still giddy because you knew that God was going to use it for God's glory. I'm not quite there yet spiritually. But that's what he's saying. I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul knew that God couldn't fully use him as long as he was doing it in his own power and in his own talents and strengths that God gave him, but he felt like he could do it on his own. Paul had to realize that he had to have insurmountable odds going against him in order for God to really use him. He had to feel weak and unable to overcome those things on his own so that he could become strong in the proper way. You follow what I'm saying? You picking up what I'm putting down as Brother Brad, who we had here a year and a half ago said? So he grants us, our living hope grants us grace from heaven in our suffering so that we can turn trials in the triumphs. That's why Paul said, I delight in these trials because he knew that at the end, the difficulty that he's going through right now is going to produce something glorious later for God's glory and in his own life. And it will bring true joy deep within your heart. He knew that. 
So God grants us grace from heaven in our suffering so that we can turn trials into triumphs. Through faith, we're shielded by God's power until the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's a little while we're going through this. So God is with us there. Now, one last thing I want to give you here as far as a point, and then I want to give you a, a final. Number four, our living hope starts with a new birth. That's where it all starts. Make a statement. You've heard it before, maybe in this way. Maybe you haven't heard it quite this way, but here it is. Without the new birth, no man, woman, boy, child, girl can go to heaven. Without the new birth, Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. It all starts with the new birth. And though I'm a growing Christian and I've been saved over 35 years, 36 years, whatever it is now, 36 years, I still go back to the day it all started. Just like you have to have a physical birthday. And just like on your physical birthday, for years to come, on your physical birthday, on the day that that it happened every year, one year later, Everybody wishes you happy birthday, and you have supposedly have birthday parties. I'm so over the birthday party. I don't want birthday parties. Just, just, just family, give me a gift card to Bass Pro Shop. I'm, I'm happy. I don't want you in my life. I don't want you coming around. I don't want to blow out candles. I love it. Just leave me alone. Give me the card. I'm gone. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh. It's, no, I actually want them around. I actually love them. But when I'm ready for them to go, it's time for them to go. I'm taking the card, and I'm going. Mm-hmm. Now, birthdays are special, right? Just recently, we've had several babies. I mean, we, we've, we've been on a roll here at our church with babies being born. Y'all keep it up. Keep going. Married folks, that is. Okay, let's clarify that. But if you're not married and you have a baby, we will love that baby, and we're going to say, you need to get married. <clears throat> But, man, we love babies, right? We got Blaze. Blaze is here. He's, he's a, a new daddy for the second time. A couple of weeks ago, his little, little girl, little Paisley, her name is. She was born. I mean, she was a heifer, three pounds something. He came to church today with, with Harper, his first. and She was Pretending to be Brother Corey the other day. She had a microphone and she wouldn't shut up. Have a a baby. I mean, the whole family was smitten by a baby. I I got to see um, um, Cody and Connie. They came by the other day, uh, church, and I was over there cooking for the guys who were putting a new roof on the pastorium and they said, can we bring the baby over? Or can we come see you? I knew, I, knew they, I knew they were coming with a package. I just knew. When you say, can we come see you? I was like, <laughs> I wasn't born. I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I'm smart enough. I know what's coming. I was like, yeah, come on. 
And I got to see her, brand new baby. I could see the, the joy in their eyes. I could see the glow. You know, I, I could see that Cody's had it easy and the mama hasn't. I could see it. But nothing, you know, you, you think about this. Think about this. You women say, now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to chase a rabbit here, but it's, it's a good rabbit to chase. Some rabbits are good to chase because when you kill them, you can eat them and they taste good. So, um, but some of you women will say, man, y'all don't know. You men don't know what it's like to experience the pain of childbirth. And you'll say something like this. Because I know some women who have had kidney stones, and they say, that's about the closest it comes. And so I hear guys saying, so that's what it's like to have a baby. But here's the difference. Here's why a kidney stone for a man is worse than giving birth. Here's why. Yeah, I said it. But follow me. Follow me. Here's why. I've never heard a man say later after he's had passed a kidney stone say, I want more of them. But I have had mamas say, oh, my gosh, I never want to go through this again. A baby's born. They go, welcome to the world, little man, little girl. And she's like, let's have another one. And I'm like, is she nuts? No, you know why that's different? You know why it's special? Because it's childbirth. It's bringing a human, it's the miracle of God that she's participating in. And it matters, and it means something. And she's part of something divine that's going on. And it does something within the heart of a woman to be a mother that a man will never know. And no, for the record, I made it as a joke, but it ain't nothing like childbirth. I'm 100% sure of that. I'm with you, ladies. Not by experience. I take your word for it. And in the same way, I said all I have to say this, in the same way, there's nothing like the new birth in Christ. Nothing like it. You get saved. You give your heart to Christ. You become a new person. Let me see if I can explain this to you. I know I've been going on a while. I'm almost done here. Listen, listen. I see a lot of stuff as a pastor. I see people go through the most excruciating things. I see people, I've been here long enough now, I've been here 25 years. I did a funeral with a pastor this week who's been at, at, at the church, at Leslie's church, 32 years. Leslie was 12 years old when he became the pastor over there. She got saved at youth camp. He baptized her. He performed a wedding for Coach Vester and Leslie. He's been there with her family all those years. You can't, can't do that if you don't stay. And he stayed, and he and I were talking about those things. But I'll tell you something else you see when you stay long enough. You not only see the good things, but you see bad decisions and their results. See, bad living ends up with bad results. And my heart aches for people who live their lives 
never experience in the new birth. And they live. And they struggle with all the things in life that we who have experienced a new birth struggle with because we're all human. And all human suffering is common. And they go through life with no hope. No hope of what this present suffering means. It doesn't make sense to them. No hope of why my kid died and how this is going to affect me going forward. They have no hope and they get bitter and they continue to live bad, bad decisions. They continue to put bad things in their body. They continue to make bad decisions in relationships. Bad, 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 bad. And then they come to the end and they die without hope. But it doesn't have to be that way because there's the offer of new life in Christ. And it doesn't matter how old a man or a woman is. I heard of a pastor that I follow on Twitter. They baptized a 92-year-old woman the other day at his church. She gave her life to Christ at 92 years of age. A 92-year-old experienced spiritual new birth. It all starts with that. He says here in verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. So a new birth just doesn't happen. There's a day. It's real, and it happens. Just found out that my first daughter, who's going to have her third child, we've ordered the baby. The baby will be coming, Lord willing, on April 15th. Baby's ordered. Baby's on order. They put a knife, and they go, and they pull the baby out. You can carry that far and go that far. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. She sent her mother and I, and then she put it on Facebook. My, my, my oldest, she shares everything on Facebook. I guess she's a lot like her dad. She sent us this 4D picture of our grandbaby. We could see her face. She had her toe in her mouth. Yeah, that's mine. That's part of my lineage. You see this, this baby. It's not just some black and white picture. It's a color picture. You can see the face. You can see the whole baby. Man, I'm getting excited. See, see, they're naming her Tennell, her first name. I'm going to have trouble with that. I want to call her Tennille. Captain and Tennille. Remember that? Oh, I'm dating myself. Y'all remember that? Tennell. And they're naming her Tennell Price, her middle name, because she's going to be born on tax day. I don't know if I'd do that, but anyway, that's what they're doing. I've never been more excited for tax day to get here, April 15th. Because there's a new birth coming into our family. And I'm a granddad. And we get to see that baby and say all what we want to that baby. And the baby won't talk back to us too much. Might spit up on us. But anyway, that's when we call mama. And, it, and, you know, but it's a grandbaby. We're excited about this new birth. 
Because it's got to start with that. And the birth is not the beginning of her life. It's just the next step in her life. The day she was conceived. The day her life started. Her DNA was all set. And it's the same way when we get saved. There's a day that it happens. Now, you may not be able to remember the exact date it happened for you. You might be able to say, yeah, about this time of the year is when it happened for me. And I don't remember. And, and, that, and that's okay. But I'll, I'll guarantee you, your heart was changed at a moment at some point in time. It starts with the new birth. So here's what I'll say about that. If you have never given your life to Christ truly man listen do it now don't wait another second don't wait in just a moment we give the invitation come forward and say pastor I'll, i've given my life to christ or i want to do it now i want my life to matter i want it to make sense i need the new birth i'll be 54 Four years old in, on February 18th. What's the date today? The 8th? 9th. 9th. So in three days, in three days, I'll be 36 years old spiritually. What? No, in three days, February 12th. Ah, y'all thought I was stupid, huh? I didn't give you all enough information to get you to that point. I didn't give you a bridge to cross on to get you to that point. Yeah, no. So February 18th, I know it's not three days from now, but in three days, February 12th, is my spiritual birthday, and I'll be 36 years old in Christ. And that's just as significant to me. So here's some final thoughts. So this confident hope, y'all, listen to this gives us the encouragement and enablement we need for daily living. Listen to this. This is a quote from Warren Wiersbe, but I'm going to preach it. I'm not just going to read it. It does not put us in a rocking chair where we complacently await the return of Jesus Christ because it's a living hope, right? It lives Instead, it puts us in the marketplace, on the battlefield, where we keep going when the burdens are heavy and the battles are hard. Hope is not a sedative. It is a shot of spiritual adrenaline, a blood transfusion, if you will. Like an anchor, our hope in Christ stabilizes us in the storms of life. But unlike an anchor, our hope moves us forward. It does not hold us back. That's the kind of hope that I have. Jesus, my living hope. This faith that I have is real. And man, this week I was able to really feel it. Some weeks you can feel it. Some days you can experience it more so than others. You, you're more sensitive to it. That what you have is something deep within you. Can I, can I end with this? Can I, okay, I'm closing it all. Look, look, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, in, I'm ending. You see it. Listen. Can I say this? When I had that moment on Tuesday, when I should have T-boned a vehicle at 65 miles an hour, I didn't touch my brake till after I got past the vehicle, and I was able to swerve without flipping and running into a big box truck that was right here, 
and I survived. Do you know what went through my mind? It's amazing what goes through your mind in split seconds like that. The mind is amazing. You know what happened to me? I thought of all kinds of stuff in that split second. I thought of, I know what the sound sounds like when a, when a car, when vehicles crash. I've experienced that. I know what it sounds like. I was waiting to hear that sound. That's, that was in my mind. I'm going to hear that sound. Secondly, I'm like, I'm dead if I hit that car. No coming back from this. It's, the impact's going to be right there, right on, right on the driver's side. Right, just right there, right at my headlight. If I flip at this rate of speed, ain't no seatbelt going to save me. All that was going through my mind. But let me tell you something that was going through my mind and heart at the same time. It's, it's uncanny to think about this. Was that I'm dead, but I'm okay. And I got peace. I was actually looking forward to it. I, I know, don't freak out. This is going to sound weird. But I was, in my mind, it kind of snapped right quick that I'm getting ready to see what I've been preaching about all these years. You say, how did you think of all that in a split second? The mind is something beautiful, man. Only God can do that kind of stuff. You know why I thought that? Because I have something in me. His name is Jesus. He's my living hope. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. And all of my Christian walk and all of my Christian faith and my new birth all came together at that moment, at that second, at that, that, that intersection right there. And it all came to provide peace, And glory because it's a living hope not a dead religious thing that's it that's all i got let's stand together everybody heavenly father we come to you just as we are knowing that you are our living hope said it all god i don't know what more i can say so church as we bow our heads in this moment, do you have that new birth? Am I going to be the pastor that preaches your funeral? And though I won't be able to say it publicly, deep in my heart I'll be thinking, man, they lived their life with no hope. Are they there? Are they in heaven? They say they received Christ, but was it real? They said they believed in God. But did they truly have a new birth? You don't have to leave here today uncertain about that. You can nail that thing down right now. And we're going to give you that opportunity. Church, are you growing? Do you have that confidence, that encouragement through suffering as to why you're here and God's working something out for His glory in you?
I'm going to encourage you to fill this altar and to flood this altar with, 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 with your prayers and your commitment and your dedication to Him. Because I tell you, life will bring you to your knees. But you let God have His way in your heart as we sing, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.